This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Still to come, top of the hour, random player of the day. Uh, looking forward to this one. Involves a uh, an interesting defenseman who had one of the coolest names the NHL ever heard. Mike Rupp from the NHL Network as well. Stanley Cup winner with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, great analyst with the NHL Network. He'll stop by. Also, we'll do the uh, Week in Review with Matt Marchese. Meantime, you know, Jacob Varana, such a highly skilled player, um, but he's also a person who's had some personal issues. Uh, this year, Varana entering the uh, the NHL's substance abuse program and subsequently, after exiting, uh, was waived from the Detroit Red Wings to the Grand Rapids Griffins of the American Hockey League. Initial struggles and then some sunlight and has played much better. Max Boltman from The Athletic sat down with Jacob Varana recently and documented it all uh, in a wonderful piece at The Athletic and Max joins me now to talk about it. Max, how are you today? I'm doing good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Listen, I'll, uh, I'll I'll come clean here right off the uh, right off the top. Um, Jacob Verana really taught me a, a big lesson this year. So going back to the NHL European Players Tour, okay, Elliot and I were doing uh, podcast interviews from there, and we were scheduled to talk to Verana. I think it was like nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the morning. And a couple of uh, players came in and kind of tipped us off and said, hey, don't be surprised if Ferran is, you know, coming right from the nightclub right to the interview. And we kind of laughed, like, okay, big time, fun time in Paris. And we joked around with Ferran about it. And, oh, no, he said, oh, no, I wasn't out all night long. And, you know, I didn't just come. And, you know, his kind of hair was all messed up. And maybe he was in the same suit. And I don't know. Um, And then, you know, later on, he entered the substance abuse program. And I said to myself, you know, shame on me for making light of that and ignoring what might have been a problem. So I felt really bad uh, for having done that. Um, But it seems as if Ferrana is in a much better place now. You recently sat down with him. Uh, Before we get into the hockey side of things, how is Jacob Ferrana right now? Yeah, I mean, so we didn't really, I mean, part of the kind of the interview was they asked, I didn't, uh, you know, I kept it to mostly hockey questions and obviously, you know, obviously there's some stuff about his future and stuff in there, but um, so I'm kind yeah. of re- reading here off of off of our interactions, but he seemed like he was, you know, in good spirits and was obviously willing to do it, which I think was um, impressive of him, you know, given all the uncertainty and speculation that's been out there about him. I wasn't sure that he would want to talk, but he, he did, and I think that speaks to... Sure. Uh, you know, to, to that, and I also think you know the Griffins' coach Ben Simon, who has him while, while he's down there, talked about you know he felt like Brown has kind of rediscovered the fun in the game, and that was a really good thing to hear, obviously for a player who who has gone through it this year. So that that that's probably the the best I got for you there. But it, it seemed to me that he was in a pretty uh, pretty good spirits. Well, that's great because listen, like flat out, he's one of the most. Like he's a fun guy. Like he's a really wonderful person to talk to. Yeah. Real friendly, real engaging. You know, going back to you know b- before the Detroit Red Wings, playing with the Washington Capitals. Like he was always. I remember his draft year as well in Philadelphia. Like a really wonderful guy to talk to. Outgoing, great personality. You know, you you walk away from a conversation with Varan and you say, "Wow, is the NHL missing the boat here?" This is you know one of the great personalities of the game. Uh, and married with a high skill set, this is something you want to build something around here. Um, from the hockey side of things, uh, I know there were the initial struggles when he got waived and sent to Grand Rapids. How's he doing now? Yeah, I mean, recently he's really kind of found his his scoring touch, the thing that we all know Jacob Brana for. I mean, he, he didn't get a goal this weekend, but he had points in both games. And coming into that, I think it was uh, goals in uh, six of his last seven. So he's definitely started to find the scoring touch there. I think part of that, Derek Alone kind of made the point you know, he wonders if that's partly a product of, of kind of a tightened up game off the puck. And, and when I asked Ryan about that, he agreed with that. So I think that's an important thing here for the Red Wings. Like that's a big part of the identity that they're trying to build under Derek alone. So I think overall, it sounds like it, it's trending upward. You know, one of the things about Varana, I just mentioned his his his, uh, his draft a couple of seconds ago, and I remember going into that draft, the, the conversation was always, who's going to be the better scorer in the NHL um, from their home country? Was it going to be Jacob Varana or was it going to be David Pasternak? Now, Pasternak had a lot of, you know, injury issues uh, during his draft year. Varana was insanely good, and he ended up being a higher pick. 
um, than David Posternock. I don't know if that's, or even if you would know, or if he's ever talked about it, you know, the idea that, you know, he kind of maybe would have measured himself up against Pasternak uh, throughout his career. If so, that can be very frustrating. Um, but I, I don't know if you ever thought or got the feeling that he was measuring himself up against someone else, uh, and maybe that sort of contributed to to some of the uh, the the moments of lack of production for Jacob Verana. I don't know the answer to it. Would you know? I don't, but I think it's a really interesting question. I, I've never spoken to him really about about Pasternak, but it, it is interesting because you, you look at what he's done, and obviously with the Red Wings, he hasn't kind of been in the lineup. I think as much as between you know this and, and the injury, but. You know, on a per kind of minute thing or the the per sixty numbers, his his goal scoring rates are up there with the very best in the league. And so it is a really interesting question because yeah. I I agree with you. Like there there is kind of that question of you know the talent if it all ever kind of comes together of, of what kind of could be there, right? Yeah. Like, he, he's one of those guys that you look at. I remember when the trade was made, and I know that, listen, I know that Anthony Mantha, I mean, even right away with the Detroit Red Wings, you know, I think it was I think it was the end of his, his first season with the Red Wings, you know, Jim Devolano, you know, wondered openly <laughs> whether he was ever going to be, right. like, a full-time pro. And I'm like, holy smokes, like, this is his first year. Like, let's just, just you know, let's uh, put a leash on that puppy, Jim. But um, it, it seemed as if it wasn't going to work with Detroit uh, from early on. And I thought... You know, Verana with Detroit, with that skill set, with their love of of players that have a skill set like Verana, uh, I thought this was going to be a a hand-to-glove relationship. And, you know, Verana was going to tie up uh, a rocket to his back uh, and a rocket to the Detroit Red Wings as well. What do you see the future for Jacob Verana in Detroit? In the piece, you know, you wonder about things like even off-season buyouts. Um, What do you think happens here with Verana and Steve Eiserman? Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, as you know, Steve Eisenman does not uh, let a whole lot of his thinking seep out into into the public. Oh, no. So that was the reason. That's oh, right. No. That was the reason I went to to Grand Rapids. Was well, I was curious. Was does Verona know? And, and the answer was no. He doesn't. He, he said he doesn't think he knows anything. He's not even. He says he's not even really looking for it because he feels like it's pointless to to do so. But um, what I was interested in was that he he really wants there to be. And I wasn't sure whether or not that would be the case. I don't think you're ever sure when when a guy. You know, goes on waivers, and yeah. um, you know how's how's he going to feel about his situation? And you know, he he had some pretty strong comments about his feelings about being a Red Wing, um, and and you know, ultimately he says he he wishes he could play for them for the rest of his life. And um, you know, w- obviously a lot of that control is is in the hands of Steve Eisenman, certainly for the next year and a half that he's under contract. And that's what everyone's trying to figure out is what is Steve Eisenman thinking? I know there's been some stuff out there. Um, that that it seems like maybe you know people people think maybe it's not going to work out in Detroit, and I think that's your first thought when you see him go on waivers as well. If he doesn't want him now, the Red Wings are a team that needs what Jacob Verana brings, yeah. which is goals. And if they're putting him on offense and paying a salary for him to not be in their lineup, that you know that usually tells you something. But you know I, I don't know what happens here after the you know there's the trade deadline, there are injuries. At some point, you figure yeah. you have this player in your organization. You know, depending on how many lineup spots you have, that was what what ultimately spurred this was a roster decision as the Red Wings got healthy. They opted to send him down and, and keep the space for a guy like Elmer Soderblom, Jonathan Berggren, um, who I think kind of forced his way into their plans this year uh, at the yes. NHL level, at least. Yes. And, and so you wonder, you know, as spots clear open, could he come back to me? I don't think that that's out of the question. Um, but in terms of the future, I think you have to look at the situation and think, you know, it doesn't look favorable, right, for that idea. But but that was what stood out to me was that, yeah. that you know, on, on his end, he still wants that. And I, I thought that was really interesting. You know, the future that the Detroit Red Wings, both immediate and long-term, is a pretty interesting one as well. And I think a lot of us wonder if, you know, all those decisions revolve around what happens with Dylan Larkin. Uh, I want to get the trade deadline and, and ask you about Tyler Bertuzzi here in a couple of seconds. But um, big picture here, how much of what Iserman wants to do revolves around either signing or allowing to walk away Dylan Larkin? Well, it's a great question because I think it's it's a direction-swinging decision for the franchise, right? Like you have the Dylan Larkin yeah. contract at the center of all this stuff, but if you don't have Dylan Larkin and you're the Red Wings, I don't know how you're replacing him in, in the next year, two years, maybe three, like, I mean, maybe longer, right? It's, it's really hard to find players of that caliber. So if you lose him, I think it really needs to basically start a, a new mini rebuild here in Detroit because I don't know how you can possibly 
retool around that, especially if he were to go in free agency, which is possible given that he has a no trade clause. Right. So it's a great point by you. I think, I think that is the sun here in in, in the Red Wings universe of which everything's going to kind of orbit around and, and the Tyler Bertuzzi contract and offshoot of that, you know, but, but I, I wonder to me, I think it's more likely that Tyler Bertuzzi is, is dealt, I guess, at this point, um, Obviously, it's a brutal year for for the way things have gone for him with the multiple hand injuries that you know getting hit yeah. by pucks. One of them is yeah. a, a block shot. One of them is a complete fluke. And you know it's not what you want for the platform. You want the kind of year that Dylan Larkin's having, where he's he's up near a point a game. And so it, it's it's a problem on two fronts. You know, it's a problem for contract negotiation and it's a problem for trade value. And I think that's you know, I, I saw your report this weekend on Thirty Two Thoughts on on Hockey Night, and uh, you know, yeah. I, I think if, if that's the way it goes, right? Like it, I would have to think that the value today is lower than it might have been um you know in, in, in previous seasons with him but um th- those are all the all the moving pieces here and i think you know the bohor that contract was it was a fascinating wrench to throw into it because i think you look at at bohor resume and dylan larkin's resume and i think almost anyone looks at that and you says well dylan larkin has a better resume than bohor he's got to get paid above bohor it's an, it's another detail piece in there right i think an arbit- arbitrator looks at that and says okay well then it's, it's north of 8.5 but it's a it's a negotiation and and that still has to work itself out. So um, a lot of strong wills I think involved in this one, right? <laughs> well, you know you know what it feels like. Uh, I'll tell you, Max. This feels like Steven Stamkos the sequel, where Steve Eisman has a number. Like I've wondered if it actually comes in if Steve's number is actually you know under Bo Horvat's uh, number right now, and it's a uh, eight times eight on the table, but it's a take it or leave it. And there's not much. I think we know about Eiserman, and we saw this with Stamkos. This is the number. If you want to go see if you can get a different, you know, uh, a different crooked number than the crooked number I'm offering you here, go for it. Um, like if Dylan Larkin thinks that he can get nine uh, in the in the marketplace. Um, but I think that Steve Eiserman is looking at this and saying he wants to play in Detroit he loves it here. He's from here. He'd still like to be able to walk down the street and not have anyone say, oh, you left Detroit for an extra $500,000 or a million dollars or whatever. I wonder if I, this is Eisenman, because we know he can play hardball. This is Eisenman just saying, this is my number. We think it's fair. Would you like it? Because we'd like to keep you here. Does it feel that way to you? Yes, it does. And I, I think there's a couple of things that go into that. One is, you know, with, with the Stamkos negotiation, what it did informally in Tampa is it kind of set this precedent that, that everyone was going to do that, right? And, and it, it's, Stamkos has talked about this. It kind of sets a culture of sacrifice. And I think that's, that is something that seems to be a priority for Iserman. It, it also, um, you know, there's a, the eighth year here that, you know, I, I do think Dylan Mark can get $9 million on the open market. I think almost anyone looks at what the center market has become and he is worth that. I think that's that's just a fact. But on the eighth year, if, if you're going to negotiate that and, and say, hey, we can give you this and no one else can, I think that comes into play um, to it too. I, I will say there's a couple differences with the Stamkos situation. One is that Tampa had already established yep. that this is a winning team, and, and you're taking less to stay with something that is is already gonna gonna work, right? I think that is a different sales pitch. And the other is the state tax. I think it's easier to take that discount in Tampa, knowing what the tax is, than it is in Detroit. And so. There's a ton of rhyme, of but I also think uh, there's a couple of key differences too that you know I think from from Larkin's. If I was uh, you know Larkin, I would look at it and say, well, hey, there is some difference here, right? So to uh, yeah, and you're right, absolutely. Um, I mean, the other thing too, but the, but the, the other thing that that you throw a wrench into is you know the other team that was trying to dance with Stamkos were the Maple Leafs. He's you know he grew up a little yep. bit north of the city, played with uh, the Markham Waxers, the Toronto boy, the local boy comes home, etc. Uh, there's always that story. Larkin is from there. Like this is this is home uh, to Dylan Larkin. So you're right. Like there's a lot of dynamics that are profoundly different, and there are a lot of dynamics. You know when it when it when you look at you know Larkin and being the hometown boy um and looking at you know the previous captains of the uh like here's another one to throw in someone mentioned this to me on saturday when i was doing prep for hockey night we're talking about dylan larkin and this person said to me well like if you're dylan larkin you know eiserman goes to you and says look look at the history of detroit red wings captains whether it's you know look at the last two nick lidstrom steve eiserman we all took less to stay here like, we all made that sacrifice. We talk about the sacrifices Stamkos made. 
You know, we made this sacrifice too. I did it. Lidstrom did it. Why should you be different? It's a whole, it's a, like, there's a whole like bunch of levels of this. Like I'm, I'm with you, Max. Like I find this one a really fascinating one. We'll see where it all ends up. I, I want to park a couple of minutes here and, and talk about Tyler Bertuzzi. And you mentioned my report from Saturday and, you know, I think that Dallas is very much in on this one or at least interested. We know the relationship between Jim Nill and Steve Eiserman. Um, you know, um, you know, Bertu- uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a, you know, a snarly, nasty player. I know the injuries uh, have been tough this season. You know, I look at, uh, you know, I look at things like, well, you know, Uptown Sports, Todd Reynolds, they already have another client in Ty Delandria on the Dallas Stars. There's a familiarity there. I think Edmonton has shown some interest. I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning love accumulating players like Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, they love having that for playoffs because they're just so damn hard to play against. Um, th- those are the, th- the the most notable three that I believe uh, who are interested in Tyler Bertuzzi. What, what have you heard? What do you know about Bertuzzi and the marketplace? There were, there were some conversations, you know, from Uptown and Eisman early in the season. Obviously, they didn't go anywhere, and I wonder if this thing is headed for a, an inevitability come March 3rd. Yeah, I, I, I got to defer to you a little bit on this one. I think uh, the, the, the Larkin situation has kind of sucked the oxygen in, in Detroit and, and when Bertuzzi's talking he hasn't <laughs> been willing to share really Larkin really hasn't either but you know I, I do feel like I'm, I'm chasing you a little bit on this one here Jeff so but I, I think the teams that you mentioned are all interesting for for different reasons right and, and when you said Tampa that was the one that really went of course he's going to end up in Tampa and Toronto this team that you know we've known has been linked to Tyler Bertuzzi for forever is going to face him in the first round and he's going to be awesome because he's yes. been awesome in the playoffs at every level he's ever played in. <laughs> it was the Calder Cup MVP in the AHL playoffs in Grand Rapids yeah. a while back. Yeah. And that just felt like it was written in the stars when you said it there. But um, all, all good reasons for those teams <laughs> to chase him, right? And I think he, he does, for all yes. the, you know, the fact that the Red Wings haven't been to the playoffs, it has always been fascinating because there's always been this sense whenever Tyler Bertuzzi gets into the playoffs, he's a playoff player. And, you know, selfishly, I'm, I'm rooting to see him get that chance because – He's getting toward the toward the back of his twenties. Yeah. I want to see playoff Tyler Bertuzzi somewhere, and I want to see it soon. Well, you listen. You mentioned uh, playoff Tyler Bertuzzi, and you nailed it. 2017 with GR, he was next next level, right? And what did we all say? Oh, can't wait until you know Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi are in the playoffs together with the Detroit Red Wings. Well, we're waiting. I mean, that was 2017 when he was a beast uh, in the American Hockey League playoffs. We are we are still waiting. Um, Max, this has been great. Thanks so much for doing this, pal. Let's do it again soon. Hey, my pleasure. Let's do it. There he is, Max Boltman from The Athletic. Uh, encourage you very much to go read his piece uh, on Jacob Verana. Detroit Red Wings player right now playing and plying his trade in Grand Rapids. The skill set just so elite. I think we're all happy that it appears as if he has um, his life together, and that's great. The person first, the player second. Looks like both things are starting to sync up here. Hour two is coming up. Mike Rupp will talk about the uh, the Devils and Timo Meyer and the random player of the day greets us in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Keep it here. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptors Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, a little weekend review, or weekend in review, I suppose. There was a lot going on, both on and off the ice. You know, we should probably park some time and talk about our Temi Panarin and the New York Rangers. A lot of other things happened as well off the ice. There was a speculation about Jacob Chikrin and Eric Carlson. We'll get into those situations with, uh, with Mike Rupp from the NHL Network as well. We'll probably, eh, probably start the conversation by talking about... A shark, and that is Timo Meyer. And as a couple of big name players have already entered the Metropolitan Division, whether it's you know we well, yeah, we think of Bo Horvat with uh, with the Islanders, <laughs> that was certainly a huge one. Like it seems as if right now, big name Vladimir Tarasenko to the Rangers. It seems as if eh, the trend right now is big players going to the Metro. Do we add another one in Timo Meyer to the New Jersey Devils or? Do we add Timo Meyer to another Metropolitan Division team? 
the Carolina Hurricanes. Although I think they're looking for both a winger and maybe a center as well. We'll see. Going to be interesting leading up to March 3rd trade deadline. In the meantime, what we like to do around this time of day is introduce the random player of the day. The concept is very simple. You think of a player, any player from any era, maybe even any league, submit it at jmshow at sportsnet.ca and me and Maddie will put our thinking toques on and spit back anything and everything that we know about that player. Right, Matt Marchese? Yes, sir. And today's, um, Jeff, I I will say this. This was our most popular submission because three people wanted to hear about Zarly (laughs) Zalapsky. So Zach Green, Jeff G, and Patrick Ray all emailed us looking for information. And it has to be because he has maybe the coolest name in hockey history. You know what's cool about this name? And you're right. First of all, one of the greatest names in the history of the NHL. You know what's great about Zarly Zalapsky? What's it's that? impossible not, like when you refer, like if you're doing play-by-play or if you're just referring to him on a hockey talk show like this one, it's impossible to not say the full name. Like, have you ever said just Zalapsky? No. Because I've never just said Zalapsky in my life. It's always been Zarly Zalapsky because it's so much fun to say. Like, we'll get into the player here in a couple of seconds. But he has one of those names that you have to say both the first and last name. Or else it just feels awkward. Like, you always wonder about, you know, when the, uh, if he, like, Kevin Denis would score a goal, if it would be assisted, or Ron Francis scores a goal, Hartford Whalers assisted by Zalapsky. If the announcer would feel weird saying assist by Zalapsky. And would have to want have to you know would have to say instead Zarly Zalapsky. Have you ever said just Zalapsky, Matt Marchese? Because I certainly haven't. No, and you know what? I will say this: as someone who was trying to type it into the lineup and googling his name and looking for stories and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> um, I was having trouble with the spelling of it because I was constantly spelling it wrong. Even though it's really easy to spell, I don't know what the reason yeah. was, but I was having a lot of difficulty with it. But yes, always call him Zarly Zalapsky. Zarly Zalapsky. Okay, so Zarly is no longer with us. He passed away in 2017. Uh, complications from myocarditis at the age of 49. Uh, he did have his brain examined um, and had evidence of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy uh, as well. Um, first of all, to the name. So he was named after so his dad was a big fan of golf big golf guy so he named it after someone who once upon a time won the canadian open a gentleman by the name of kermit zarley now when i first stumbled across this fact and i thought about this again yesterday i said to myself well it's a pretty obscure name to name your kid after and then when i was thinking about this on the weekend maddie I thought to myself, well, you know, my wife and I named our two boys, one of them after Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails and the other after my favorite character in Jaws. So maybe I'll just sit this one out. Uh, Nonetheless, Mr. and Mrs. Zalapsky came up with a really cool name for their son uh, who played 11 seasons in the NHL um, with the Hartford Whalers where he was drafted, the Calgary Flames, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, if you're from my vintage, Maddie, you'll remember Zarly Zalapsky not just as a member of the National Hockey League, but also someone that, interestingly enough, delayed his entry into the NHL because of international hockey and playing for Team Canada. And this is when there was the, the full-time running national program, and Dave King was the coach, and names like Wally Schreiber, and names like Claude Villegrain, and Mark Habscheid, and Fabian Joseph were very much on the tip of Sean Burke would have been part of that program too, uh, and Zarly Zalapsky. All these names would have been on the tips of all Canadian hockey fans' tongues. Uh, played in the uh, the 1988 games uh, in Calgary, the team that finished fourth. Um, I, I don't know a ton. Like, I don't think I have any good Zarly Zalapsky stories other than Jess, he had a great name, was a really good player, was big, was strong, could skate. Um, I, I remember when he was drafted, everyone thought, and again, defense is so hard, and defense was specifically you know, that hard in that era to try to figure out and measure. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be the next superstar on the blue line in the NHL. 
Like he was, and he scored the, the, there was the one season he had 20 goals with the Hartford Whalers. And we all thought, aha, there it is. There's the beginning of the next great defenseman in the National Hockey League. Zarley Zalapski had a really good career, but I think a lot of people thought Zarley Zalapski was going to have a great career in the National Hockey League. So I think about him as, a, as an NHLer, but I also think about him as someone that delayed his start to the NHL because he wanted to play on Team Canada with the national program with Dave King. Your thoughts on Zarley Zalapski? Yeah, I remember from my vintage was knowing him from playing video games because I was always like, "Ah, oh, who's that guy? That's that's kind of a cool name." And then you <laughs> then you do the then you do the research and realize like he it was unfortunate for him that he was part of a big trade that helped the Pittsburgh Penguins win back-to-back Stanley Cups was the Ron Francis deal. Um yeah, big time. And so so he missed out the on Cullen that. The Cullen trade. But, the Cullen trade. Yes, yes, John Cullen. Uh and so when Colin you look Trey. at his when you look at his numbers, I mean, getting drafted the rare feat of just being drafted out of the Canadian international the Canadian national team, but to be drafted that high from the Canadian national team was yeah. pretty impressive in its own right. He was good, man. Like honestly, like he was a he was he was one of those players that we looked at and said, "There's the next great defenseman in the NHL." He was good. What was great about him was his name. Uh, we lost him again, as we mentioned, at the age of 49 in 2017. Um, all right, coming up at the bottom. Of the, by the way, for your chance to, uh, again, all it takes is, I'm thinking of a hockey player. Let's just send his name to Merrick, jmshow at sportsnet.ca, and me and Maddie will get right to work on it. Um, thanks to the three people who today sent in, Zarly Zalapsky, Zach Green, Jeff G., and Patrick Ray. Thank you. Okay, uh, we'll freshen things up and get things a little bit more current here with Mike Rupp from the NHL Network, who I believe is on the bandwagon of the Devils need Timo Meyer. Mike Rupp, how are you today? What's up? How are you, Jeff? How are you, fellas? Uh, uh, we're doing well. I'm doing great. Listen, um, Timo Meyer fits, as far as I'm concerned, just about everywhere. Like, he's one of those players that you look at and you say... I can't think of one team that would look at Timo Meyer and say, yeah, we don't need that on this team. We have enough of it. He's big. He's strong. He can skate. He can score. Uh, looks like he's you know, very much built for the playoffs as well. Um, it seems every big name, you know, whether it's Tarasenko or Bo, Horva- Bo Horvat or ending up in the Metropolitan, why not the New Jersey Devils for Timo Meyer? It feels like it's trending that direction for me. Does it for you, Rupper? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, we heard uh, we heard Elliot kind of reporting that the at least the thought process or, or the rumors out there is that the Devils yeah. are going to check in late or said just make sure you check in with us before anything's done. Which I'll be honest, I don't love that approach. I've seen that approach and heard that approach multiple times and whether it's free agency or in other situations, it doesn't always work out. So I don't know if that's, you know, Elliot did say it's just rumors. So we don't know if that was fully accurate or not, but it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's set up for the devils. If it doesn't work for the devils, uh, I think they miss on a big one here. And this is a a fan base that feels like they've kind of missed on a few big ones in the last little while. So, uh, but Timo Meyer, like you said, great fit anywhere. This guy's an absolute. I, I think he's a very underappreciated star in our game, uh, probably because he plays in San Jose, yep. plays out west, plays late at night. Uh, he could do a lot of a lot of everything, and uh, I think he's uh, the biggest thing for me is he's got some. He's got some. Uh, he's a thicker player to play in traffic, and I think that's what the Devils need. And the Devils don't need a rental guy; they need a guy that's going to have some term left, and uh, or sorry, some term in the future to resign him and keep him a part of what they're yeah. building. So I, I think it's a perfect fit. You know, I, I like it too. And to your uh, to your point as well about you know teams saying, look, before you make a move, circle back with us. You know, one of the problems. Um, with that, Rupper, uh, as you well know, is some teams will say, look, we're making this offer not for you to go and shop it. Like, if uh, yeah. th- this is our offer for him, I don't want you to turn around. And, I mean, listen, I would imagine that this is how the Islanders are like, like, lose, like, look, this is the offer. Don't go shop this thing. Because if we catch wind yeah. that you're shopping our offer, the deal is off. 
Um, Said, yeah. So a lot of teams don't like that. You know, the, the Devils are in, interesting, too, because I really believe, and I think they believe, too, that this is a team that, you know, has the horses to go deep. I know the East is stacked. I know Carolina is good. I know the Rangers are scary. We're going to get there. We know what the Boston Bruins have uh, going on this season. We know Tampa's always a really hard out. The wild card might be the Toronto Maple Leafs through all of this. Can the Florida Panthers sneak in and, and knock some knock some billiard balls around? Ditto for the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we'll see what the Washington Capitals can come up with. I think the Devils have a really good shot at doing something here, provided the goaltending holds up. But I just don't know, unless they go out and get some size, and we know that really matters specifically in the postseason, and Timo Meyer checks that box. Like, if they don't get Timo Meyer, Rupper, I guess what I'm asking is, if they don't get Timo Meyer or someone like that, do you like them or not like them come playoff time? So what I what I do like with them, and I, and I like them. I mean, they're a team that, and that's kind of I kind of doing it tongue in cheek where I'm kind of doing the the updated hey you know day whatever it is of the Timo Meyer Washington New Jersey it's it's that I think this team has yeah. a chance of and they have something special but they need and I, to be honest with you I don't know if adding even Timo Meyer is going to be enough to 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 win a cup I, I think that this team is they need to experience playoff hockey together. And they they've answered the bell in a lot of different situations this year. When the game gets harder and the and the, the schedule gets more difficult and demanding, they've answered it. And so I'm excited to see what this group yeah. does. But with that being said, like I don't know I, the the ice gets so different. The neutral zone is gone in the playoffs. And this is a team that is fast. They're dangerous. Can it work in the playoffs? It absolutely could work in the playoffs. But if it does the team that it works against, shame on you for letting them be comfortable. Like it's pretty obvious that this, this devil's forward group is not overly sized. Like you got to find a way to, to slow down certain parts of the ice and you should be able to have success. So I think any bigger player, especially Timo Meyer can help in those areas. But uh, I'll tell you this much, Jeff, first round, I've covered a couple of the games this year with devil's Rangers. And there's a good chance that that's what could be first round. It's not a great matchup for New York. It's not. And I know the scores have been Mm -hmm. pretty close in the games. I think we've had one or two overtime games in their matchups this year. But as far as the course of play and watching the game, New Jersey, New Jersey Mm -hmm. gives fits to, to the Rangers. So if they can match up on the first round, I don't, I think it's a I think it's a flip them series. Like you can flip a coin, who's going to win that series? And you know how it is. It's crazy in the playoffs. You win one series, what kind of confidence you can get from that? Who knows? But they, I, I do yeah. think this team needs needs some help in the interior parts of the ice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Rangers because I want to go there next, and I think that would be a, a a pretty exciting first round. Certainly, both buildings would be on fire, and that would be great to watch. Um, and be great atmosphere. Uh, I am curious about the Rangers. So they get Vlad Tarasenko, and right away it's like an adrenaline shot. This is a protein shake for this team. Like, boom, right away. And, you know, they put up 12 goals this weekend, six against the Kraken and six against the Carolina Hurricanes. They're looking great. Artemi Panarin's feeling it. He pops in four against the Carolina Hurricanes. And the thing that impresses me about... The New York Rangers, and I know people hate when I mention this. I think people hate that this is true. And if they tweet at me and say that it's not true, maybe it'll make it not true. But it is true, Mike Rupp, and you know this. There is nobody in the NHL who hits both harder and cleaner than Jacob Truba. Agree or disagree? 100% agree. He's a throwback. Um does he cross the line sometimes? And I, I, a lot of times, to be frank with you, I don't think it's intentional crossing the line. He, we talked about it before. He kind of does this. He takes his he takes his right fist and he puts it right under like his right peck and he tucks it. That's how he's tucking his elbow. But by doing that, sometimes he chicken wings it out. <laughs> and we've seen that. And we've right. seen him kind of catch guys <laughs> doing that. Uh, I the, the hit. The hit uh, against Kadri didn't have that. A lot of them don't have that. But he's got this weird habit when he hits sometimes. Like he wants to tuck, but he's tucking part of him, part of it. But he's he gets it gets away from him a little bit. But it, for generally speaking, I think it's pretty clean. Uh, he's he's very good at reading the 
opportune times to hit guys when they're when they're in vulnerable spots. And some people might be like, "Well, that's a predatory hit." Well, I mean, playing hockey, man. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm looking to hit guys hard. You I know? agree. So and, and he he is a uh, unique player in that. So he could flip a series in its own right because he can. Um, you, you can sit there and think, and if that's a matchup, and New Jersey loves using the middle of the ice. I mean, how many times can Jack Hughes or or you know, Jesper Bratt cut to the middle and have Jacob Truba come steamrolling through? Even if he misses them, I think that changes your game. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I can't do that anymore, right? So, uh, yeah, he's he's a little bit of an X factor. Uh, their decor is solid. Uh, they, things are starting to fall in place for the Rangers right now. They they look good, and and here's why I'll look at them and I'll say I like them uh, as far as being a playoff team as well. In the Tarasenko deal, Nico Mikola comes along, and I know he's a bottom-pairing guy. I get that. But you look at that Rangers blue line, and it's got a combination of skill and snarl. Like, we know the Truba hits for keeps. Mikola hits for keeps, too. Like, there's some big, strong players on that blue line. And then you have, you know, throw in Fox and K. Andre Miller, et cetera. Like, that's a pretty dynamic blue line. And a lot of, di- a lot of guys do a whole bunch of different things. And then up front, um, whether it's Chris Kreider, and we all know about him on the left side and his power play production, how strong he is. And then you throw in Artemi Panarin and, you know, now Vlad Tarasenko and maybe the most underrated elite center in the NHL, Mika Zibanejad. And then here's a guy that I want to get to with you, Rupper, Philip Heedle. Like, whenever a team goes and pops in the playoffs, there's always that one young player that takes the next step. Man, first of all, Philip Heedle, if he keeps us up, he's going to get paid large or should get paid large in the offseason. This has really been that breakout season we've been waiting from Heedle for a long time now. Kako's starting to warm up. We'll see what happens with Lafreniere down the stretch. Give us your uh, your nickel and dime here on Philip Heedle of the New York Rangers. Yeah, so when you look over the last couple seasons, a lot of the talk has been about Capo ta- uh, Capo Caco taking the next step in Alexi Lafreniere. And yeah. but you can't forget and I mean Kravtsov we can throw in that mix as being a first round pick. But then also there's Phil Pedel mm-hmm. and he's been around a little bit longer, but he has been a huge factor for this team too. And the big question has been, well, this is this team going to be able to kick it to the next level? They can kick it if those players ramp it up, right? And there's been uh, it's been a process with with Laugh and and for um, Kako, um, but they've they've taken some really good steps this year. But Phil Pedel is a difference maker, and I'll tell you what, Jeff, this. Everything with him, I mean, every shot that he takes right now feels like it's got a chance of going in, but everything's his feet. His yeah. feet have been, have been moving lately. He's flying. He's a centerman coming out of the D zone. Like, he's skating with purpose out of his D zone, and it's putting him in spots in the offensive zone to get great looks, and the shot's been incredible. So he's been awesome. Uh, I think that is the sole factor of, uh, to be honest with you, that line, everybody's been wanting to see that line since last year's playoff run. They were the best line for the Rangers going to Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals. Gerard Gallant's gone to them a number of times this year. They've been they've been good, and they've been, but then there's stretches where you haven't really noticed them in here. The whole, this whole season has been trying to find out who's going to be our second line right wing. We've seen Chris Kreider move to the, the, the right side. We've seen uh, yeah. we've seen uh, Kako get moved up. We've seen Lafreniere get moved up. We've seen a bunch of uh, just a just a musical chairs in the top six. And what ends up happening is in the last few weeks, Gerard Golan has put that kid line back together, and they once again have been kind of the best line. And I think that that was clear as day showed this team because I don't know if this team was going to go out and get necessarily Patty Kane or or Vlad Tarasenko. They were going to do that if one of these kids couldn't take that spot up there right and right. now you're sitting here like well, i think we gotta run this this third line it's it's not even a third line it's a second line but we got them kind of slotted as a third line and i think that pointed out to them all right are we willing to go into the playoffs here with barclay goodrow or jimmy vc or uh you know craft sub who's been unproven up in the top six and they're like we're now yeah. we know that we got to make that move they get vlad tarasenko and I think it's all because that line, that line, and I told you about what I feel about third lines, and you tell me a spunky line that's got oh, promise, yeah, they're feeling it, they're making things happen right now. It's, I mean, this this all of a sudden is a slotted group. I still think they're one player away. No Tyler Mott's name's been out there. They need like a role-playing 
game manager, yeah. penalty killer, uh, just a very subtle move. And I think that they'll be all set. But that, that third line, that Heedle line has been incredible. Let me ask one follow-up here on Heedle as well. How much of his performance, and I remember like one thing, I remember when he was scratched, but this was around the be- the beginning of last season, and Gerard Gallant's advice to Philip Heedle was, sit in the stands and just watch Sabanajad and play like that. Like, everything he does, you do that. Um, and it seemed kind of sort of boorish and like, oh, 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 okay, thanks, thanks, coach. But I think that there's some, there's some logic there, and I, I can't help but thinking... You know, you look at the rise of Philip Heedle. How much is has he learned just being on the same team, on the same ice, on the same in the same practices as Mika Zibanejad? Like, how much of this do you think is a Zibanejad factor? I think it's huge, and and even to the, the the piece where I don't know if Philip Heedle was uh, what he was doing around that time. But I mean, you remember when when Mika came in? I mean, that why was Mika available in the first place out of Ottawa? Mika Mika was on and off. Like Mika wasn't always revered as being a hard worker. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. he had to learn there's yep. another level and there's a level of commitment. And he figured that out. So I, I think that Philip Peel, not that not that either of them wanted to be lazy. It's just they had to be challenged to be there's a level that you have to find that can't be a, a burst or a um just a just a, a a flash in the pan. Like this is what you need to be. And that kind of goes with my thing with Phil Peel. Like I don't know what it is now. But he's moving his feet every play. He's on the ice, and he's moving. He's he's competing, and I think that that's it. When you look at Mika, Mika competes for pucks, and when you look at this team, I mean, he is a Vinny Trocheck helps out a lot at the center position, right hand draw man, but Mika has he's established himself as a number one. Remember, for a few years there, we're like, yeah, I mean, Mika's a re- Mika's a really good number two. I mean, no, I think he's a number one center now because he has that compete in his game. And uh, so Phil Pito's got some, some of the right players and uh, looking up to, and 93 has been, been just that. You know, one of the, um, we'll shift gears here from, uh, from New York and talk about Tampa. One of the reasons why I like the Tampa Bay lightning so much is they seem to have a real appreciation and an understanding of the value of pricks. They want nasty, <laughs> Hockey players that are terrible to play against, and whether it, if it comes in the form of a uh, Brandon Hagel or a Corey Perry or a Patrick Maroon or a maybe they go out and make a move for Tyler Bertuzzi, like there are some teams that just value having as many pricks as possible. Tampa seems one of them, and there's no denying the results. And those guys are money in the playoffs. Um, do you see Tampa come trade deadline time trying to find another Mike Rupp, trying to find another? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you, you mentioned it. And the thing I love about them, too, is their conviction in going and getting these guys. You know, when they went out and got Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow, first-round picks for each, everyone's oh, like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, you're, you're kind of setting the market a little high here. But they knew what they wanted. <laughs> and they went out and got it, right? And they've got Corey yeah. Perry. And, and here's my, my thing with this. And I don't know how much there's a lot of people who probably don't agree with this and, and I'm not saying I'm hundred percent right on it, but in my opinion, when I look o- across the league over the last number of years and think of skilled players and I think about some of the players that how come I never really seen them get run or I never really seen and, and, and there's a big talk of deterrent. Do we need a fight? Now I don't think you need that, but when you have a player that is a lightning rod, it changes everything. And I think back of, just in, even in Philly when Claude Giroux's there. I don't ever remember Claude Giroux actually, I mean, he was willing to, but i never seen him have to, like, get into it with a lot of different players. Like, he's not getting run. He's not. Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, yeah. don't have to deal with it because they got Brad Marchand. And then, you know, you think down there in Tampa with how good this team has been the last number of years. And here's my point at all. You come into a game, think of Ovi and, or Nick Backstrom in, in Washington. When you come into a game, and your game planning, your game planning against, you know, say Tampa, the, the team we're talking about, you're saying, all right, we got to watch mm-hmm. Kucherov. We don't let the team get on the power. We got Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, blah, 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 all these things. Here's the teams. There's their, you know, the things that they like to do there. Um, but, but you come, you come into the game and you feel like you got to grasp on what you want to do. And then you're coming off the ice for your first shift and you get poked in the back of the knee by Corey Perry. 
And then when you turn around to see who it is, Patty Maroon just shoves you, and then you kind of get in your bench, okay? And then the next shift, you go out there, the puck's getting dumped in, Brandon Hagel comes in and hits you hard. And maybe you didn't like the hit fully, but he just got in your face a little bit. Then Alex Kalorn comes and throws you off a puck. And my point is, like, you get these lightning rod players that all of a sudden you're distracted and you're like, I'm going to get this guy. Oh, you know, this guy. And then you yell at the ref about this player. And then the next thing you know, your whole game plan of Kucherov, Stammer, gotcha. point, you're not even thinking about it. Next thing you know, the puck's it's 2 nothing. You're down 2 nothing. And I find that to be so, like, Tom Wilson has done that. And, the you know, Garnet Hathaway's done that in, in Washington. You just It's a valuable yeah. thing because it distracts you. And next thing you know, players are not, not dotting their I's and crossing their T's on what the game plan is. You know, I'm. Uh, I I can still remember the uh, the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, they finally make it to the playoffs, uh, opening round, facing off against the New York Rangers. They ended up getting swept uh, four games by the Rangers because Ilya Kovalchuk, their star, was less concerned with scoring goals and was more concerned just chasing Sean Avery all over the ice for four games. Yeah. As everyone is just begging him, like focus on hockey here. All he wanted to do was chase Avery around the ice. That's, that's all yeah. you. I, I, I could not agree with you more. In the playoffs, this is uh, this is a story that um, that continues uh, each and every postseason. Okay, um, got like a minute left with you here. I do want to ask you about what we saw play out on Saturday, which continued into Sunday, which continues into today. And you know, listen, we'll see what happens tonight because. You know, the Arizona Coyotes are facing off against the Nashville Predators. The Los Angeles Kings are taking on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, how did you see the Jacob Chikrin story this weekend with the, uh, the press release about being held out for trade-related reasons, the conspiracy theory that, oh, that might be a little bit of a, an injury that they want to hide, um, to, you know, all the speculation about Brant Clark, uh, which was not true. Um, to the situation now where we're just waiting for maybe the two sides to work out an issue with money on a player, and that might be the final stumbling block in getting this deal done. How did you see the Jacob Chikrin saga play out for you, Rupper? First off, I think it was weird that usually you don't see a team in the Coyotes' PR send out something like that, right? Like that's something usually yes. that comes from yes. Elliot reporting it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's not the team suggesting or putting it out there like that. So I thought that that was weird. And I think as soon as you get something weird in a situation, this is a very touchy player as far as there's a lot of concern. And that's why this has taken so long. There's never been a question of how good Jacob Chickering is or even how valuable his salary is. And he's got some term left. Like, it, there's been other things. So it kind of starts stirring all this, uh, all this stuff up. But I don't know. I mean, I think if you're that close, in my opinion, it's like if you, if you feel like there's, you're that close, you, you sit the player. I'm not looking into it any more than that. Um, but it, it, it explains why this has been a very difficult move to make because the Coyotes got to hit a home run and you've got teams that have some questions and this just kind of adds to it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. What, what would he, let's say this thing goes, we'll, we'll finish with this, and let's say this thing goes forward uh, today and, and they do the deal. What does Jacob Chikrin bring to the Los Angeles Kings in your estimation? Uh, it's, it, I mean, he, he can do a little bit of everything. He's got a great big shot, obviously. Um, he changes a lot. I mean, there's a lot of teams that can add him, and, and to the point, too, it, what is it, what is he at, like four something, four and change, four and a half? Like, I mean, that's extreme value, yes. I think. Extreme a couple more years. Value. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer for me, but it, it's always you got to see what works for you too because we know about the history of injuries. So uh, he, he changes a lot, changes the yeah. whole uh, you know complexion of a decor. I think. Yeah. To, to, to me, it's uh, it, it's all of that, and it's also the easy exits, like whether skating it or passing it. Like Jacob Tricker and like makes it a breeze to get out of your own zone and. What a luxury that is. Uh, Rupper, always a luxury having you aboard. Thanks as always. We'll, we'll check back soon, pal. Be well. Awesome. Thanks. There he is, the great Mike Rupp from the NHL Network, uh, breaking down, amongst other things, uh, the Devils and Timo Meyer, uh, the New York Rangers, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and their, loves for na- their love for nasty hockey players and the Jacob Chikrin situation right now. By the way, one of the things that I'm just at a complete loss to try to understand at this point is the Patrick Kane situation. So I was talking to someone on Saturday night 
who said, here's what you need to figure out. And I said, what's that? And he said, you need to figure out Patrick Kane's heart. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, it's pretty obvious now that Patrick Kane's heart was in Chicago. And then things changed last offseason when essentially Kyle Davidson said, there's not going to be a future here for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Okay, so then it seemed, when you look at his comments from late last week, his heart was initially in Chicago, and then you can make the argument also in New York. Looks like both those options are gone now for the future of Patrick Kane. And this person said to me, the answer to what's going to happen with Patrick Kane is, where's his heart at now that Chicago is probably not going to be an option, and now New York? because they made the Vlad Tarasenko deal, not going to be an option either. I still think that Patrick Kane's going to play hockey. I don't know about Jonathan Taves, but I'm pretty sure that Patrick Kane is still going to play hockey. Does he just shut it down this season? Does he just have a surgery this season and come back next season? Come back to Chicago on a one-year deal, as Elliot and I have talked about various times on the 32 Thoughts podcast, or just... Make a clean break and start with something new. I have no idea which way Patrick Kane's going to go. <laughs> I have no idea which way Patrick Kane is leaning now that both the Blackhawks and the Rangers uh, are off the board for him. Uh, lots of things to get to from the weekend. Also want to mention the games tonight. Uh, we've got a couple of interesting ones. So the Calgary Flames and the Ottawa Senators. I'm uh, going to talk about Anton Forsberg here in a couple of minutes with Maddie. That starts on Sportsnet at 7.30 Eastern. That is Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Always look forward to that program. Uh, mention the Arizona Coyotes and the Nashville Predators. Chickering anybody? 8 o'clock Eastern for that one. Panthers and Wild at 8, uh, 8 as well. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings facing off against the Vancouver Canucks. 10 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet Pacific and... The Sabres and Kings, Jacob Chikrin, anybody? Uh, that one on Sportsnet East, Ontario, and Sportsnet West. That's your programming for this evening. Matt Marchese, Weekend in Review, coming up in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet radio network. Keep it here. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so quick note from our very own Adam Vingan, uh, who reports that Jacob Chikrin will be scratched again tonight for trade-related reasons as the Arizona Coyotes face off against the Nashville Predators. So let's continue this story well into this evening, shall we? Uh, so the Jacob Chikrin scratches. Listen, essentially what they're going to do here is just continue to nerf the world around him, right? Don't let him go anywhere. Oh, don't pick up utensils. No, don't cut that sandwich. Don't cut that whatever. Don't cut that steak. Don't cut what you're eating. Get that knife out of his hand. Try to make the world as safe as possible for Jacob Chikrin for a quote-unquote trade-related reasons. We all know where this thing is headed. It's only a matter of how soon do we get there. Uh, with that, we'll bring in Matt Marchese, uh, our producer here. How are you, Matty? How was your weekend, pal? I'm good. Uh, weekend was all right. Um, not not so bad. I will add to the uh, Jacob Chikrin stuff because uh, from Andre yep. Turini, coach of the Coyotes, he says he will remain out of the lineup until something happens. So there you go. Why, why can't he just say until he gets traded? Yeah, exactly. And we all know what he's talking about. Why just come out and say it? Uh, until something happens. We all know what that something is. Until the it's LA Kings like get off their wallet. Injured. <laughs> no, I think it's more Arizona needs to... Uh, yeah, that's true. Arizona actually, yeah. to, to, to take to take yeah. back some some salary. So until we decide to take back some money here in the desert, uh, Jacob Chicken will continue to be scratched. One of these days, one of these days, I, I I think we had to do like a how petty can we be about hockey language, and what are the things that really bother us about hockey language? Um, whether it's things like until something happens, well, the something is a trade. You can just say trade. We all know what you're talking about. There's a few things that really bug me 
It's Monday yeah, and I'm too. cranky. So here are a couple of things. Here, are you cranky too? Okay. Here's yes. what bugs me: the um, the phrase "going forward." Because I always say, <laughs> as opposed to what? <laughs> Think about this. Oh, this is the way we're gonna. This is the way we're gonna. We're gonna make deals going forward. As opposed to what? Going backwards. Um, good goal has always bothered me. Upon video review, we ruled there was no interference, so we have a good goal, as opposed to a goal. Like it's to the point where I was talking to my wife about this and driving home from kids hockey yesterday. I want to refer to shots that get saved as bad goals. If we're going to call goals that go in good goals, can we call shots that get stopped bad goals? It's not a goal. It's a bad goal. So it's a save. So it's a save. Yeah. How about that one, Maddie? So it's a save. Yeah. Yeah, The other one is, the other one is, um, uh, he takes a shot from the slot area (laughs) as opposed to the slot. (laughs) There's so much empty calorie, so many empty calorie words in hockey language. Oh, took that shot from the slot area. Oh, you mean the slot. That, anyway, that, those are my little petty petty grievances that, for the day. <laughs> this reminds me of the George Carlin bit where he talks about airlines when they made up the thing near miss. Well, no, it's not a near miss. They just missed. Two planes almost collided. Yeah, it was a near miss. No, they missed. Was it if it it's was a like, near miss, they would have like hit each the, other. Yeah. It was like that dishwasher uh, detergent, uh, who was it? It was Cascade. Leaves your glasses virtually spotless. Oh, so there's spots. <laughs> it's what a bad marketing spot, but tool. There's still spots, then, right? <laughs> anyway. Oh. All right, Matt. Okay. All right. Back so, on hockey. Uh, yeah. So looking back on the weekend, um, there was actually quite a bit of yeah. goalie news. And we love our goalie talk on this program. Um, so let's start with the Always. injuries and the and the Anton Forsberg one. So he's going to miss the rest of the year. He has two torn. Uh, um, I don't know if it was partially torn or just flat out torn MCLs. He'll miss the rest of the year. Bad. Two to three month recovery. It was awful to watch. Um just and it's you know it's kind of par for the course the way the season's gone in Ottawa. But the other one that you know should get a lot of of spotlight is the injury to Logan Thompson, and he's going to be week to week. They just called up Laurent Brassois from um, Henderson, and he will Henderson. make he yeah he will come back to the lineup. Uh, so it'll be Aiden Hill and Brassois, and. You know, you look at the way that Vegas is going. They're 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 starting to play well. Jack Eichel's heating up, and then boom! Here's another injury for you yeah. to go along with the fact that you're missing your captain too. Yeah, it's uh, it's the one position. Hey, listen, you never want anyone to get injured. Well, first of all, is I think Vegas is going to be fine. I know I've said that before. I said this last season, and then they got hammered by injuries and. I think we can all be blunt. That was the reason why they didn't make the playoffs last season. Injuries, to which everyone else around the NHL says, uh, other teams deal with injuries over here, Merrick. Like, we got our own over here. Like, don't don't cry for the Vegas Golden Knights. We all deal with injuries. I get that. Um, this one's a tough one, although he's expected to return back this season. Logan Thompson was having a, uh, a campaign that... Um, many people are saying is going to be the reason why he's one of the finalists for the, the for the Calder Trophy, uh, along with you know uh, Matty Beniers and Cole Perfetti, etc. Um, feel bad for Logan Thompson. Feel bad for the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't want to see Vegas get scotched because of injuries, but the big one for them is Mark Stone. Like still, like I look at Logan Thompson and say, you know that sucks. That's bad, but he's expected to come back this season. Mark Stone, man, that's like one of the players you cannot replace. He's like your your Marion Hosa. Good luck replacing him. That 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 two way two way power forward, um, who's a total catalyst for your team and is great in the playoffs. That's the one that kills. That's the one that really. Now I know it might open some possibilities here for Kelly McCrimmon, but that's the one that really hurts. So the point about Anton Forsberg. I know it's been a bad season in Ottawa. I know it's been a bad season in Belleville with the uh, the Troy Mann situation. And I don't think that story is anywhere close to being over. Um, and I think that there's an element of we're going to wait to see with new ownership before we make decisions on certain players. I think that, you know, Elliot reported that about Alex DeBrinkett, reported that on Saturday. So we'll see what happens there. 
just the, the for a couple of things. One was awful to watch that happen on Saturday. Um, two, you really feel for Anton Forsberg, who's just one of the best personalities in the game. Um, like there was that one season where he was claimed by what was it? he was on waivers four times. He ended up playing with four different teams, and he had a great you know outlook. It was two seasons ago, great outlook on it, and just kind of like, hey, I'm playing hockey, and this is just sort of the reality of it. Um, real great guy, real good goaltender. Hated to see it happen, and it looked bad. I'll tell you one thing though. I was, uh, it was real good of, of Zach Hyman of the Edmonton Oilers essentially to try to make sure that everybody cleared out of around him. Like, if there's, there's a lot of reasons to like Zach Hyman, like a ton of reasons on the ice, off the ice, all of it. And there's Zach Hyman on top of Anton Forsberg trying to make sure that everybody steers clear because right away he could recognize there is a huge problem with Forsberg and no one likes to see stretchers. No one liked any part of that. I just, I just hope that his recovery is quick. I know the the injury is painful and you could see it. And if you were there, you could hear it right away. I just hope this thing is speedy for him. Cause I got, man, uh, our hearts all go out to, to Anton Forsberg in that situation and his friends and family. That was a tough one to watch. For sure. Um, other goalie news, and this one kind of winks to the LA Kings' plans for the trade deadline, it would seem, and that is a one-year contract for Phoenix Copley, who's played really well for them. He gets a $1.5 million deal. Do you, Jeff Merrick, believe yep. that that tells us that yes. they are comfortable with Phoenix Copley and they are not going to try and acquire a goaltender? Uh, I still think long-term they're probably looking at a goaltender. I mean, Jonathan Quick's contract is expiring. Cal Peterson uh, hasn't exactly had the best of all possible seasons. Uh, if they can move that contract, uh, we shall see. I, I think that this is a reward for service well done. Like, you can, like, honestly, like, you can make the argument that Phoenix Copley has come in and saved LA's season. Yep. Like when their goaltender, this hasn't been like a great Jonathan Quick season and Cal Peterson, we know that story. Like he's not going to get any Hart Trophy consideration. We're giving it all to Connor McDavid because we vote for this thing as if it's, you know, voting for the, for the best player. But look what Phoenix Copley's done for the Los Angeles Kings. By definition of most valuable to his team, LA is going to be a playoff team again. And there have been some wonderful performances by a lot of great players on that team. But wouldn't you put Phoenix Copley right up around the top of that list, maybe number one, when it comes to players that kept this thing together so they didn't completely bottom out, so they didn't get completely undone by their goaltending? Like, just by the definition of the Hart Trophy, I know it sounds goofy, but here we are on a Monday afternoon talking about it. Phoenix Copley has meant as much to his team as maybe any other player has meant to theirs. He's totally saved their season, completely saved their season, and they're going to make the playoffs. And a lot of it, we're going to look back and point to Phoenix Copley. So I looked at that deal as a, a very large thank you from the Kings organization. Yeah, and you could. It's funny how you know, like he's played. He's played about average goaltending, and it's it's amazing to think that that's all the Kings needed to be a much better team. Just average goaltending. All they needed. All they needed. He got wins. Like he went in there and competed and got wins. And if you talk to, if you talk to most goaltenders, like, hey, what's the most important stat to you? I remember Marty Marty uh, Berdura was always quick on this one. W's. W's, W's, W's. That's the big one, and he went in there and got those. And when other goaltenders couldn't, when Quick couldn't and Cal Peterson couldn't, Phoenix Copley could. Man, think of all the great, think of all the Washington netminders <laughs> that have helped their teams uh, and that, that, that trace back to the Caps, right? Whether it's Vanacek, whether it's Samsonov, whether it's Copley. Like, good job, Washington, helping out other teams make it to the playoffs. Was Varlamov not a Washington goalie as well? Once upon a time, back when they had the carousel as well, which included Joseph yeah, Theodore. It, oh, yeah. It's, there's a oh, factory yeah, that we're not talking about in Washington. Um, okay, so this one, and I know as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is absolutely a Jeff Merrick thing. Uh, Alex Belzeal scores his first NHL goal. Yeah. <laughs> He's the seventh oldest player to score uh, his first NHL goal, and he was 31 yeah. when he did so. Um He's the oldest Love since it. Herb Gardner back in 1925. 
You're supposed to say, I think you're just a cub reporter then at that point, Merrick. <laughs> no, I've used that too much NHL. on you. No, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I love it. I love those stories as much as this is a young man's game and a young man's league, etc. Blah, 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 blah. I always love the story uh, of, uh, in this case, Belzeal coming up and scoring his first career NHL goal. Like, I love the guys that persevere. And I love the guys that, that did it by starting in the ECHL. Okay, like so, he comes out of junior playing in Ramuski, and he's got 18 months to use his education package from the CHL, and sticks it out, and it's a gamble, like it's a it's a real gamble. And after a while, playing in the ECHL, uh, and you talk to the players, you know they refer to it as the Cheese Toast, uh, the East Coast Hockey League, the Cheese Toast Hockey League, because that's really all you can afford to eat while you're there, cheese on toast. You know you're playing in the Cheese Toast. After a while, you say to yourself, okay is this really going to go anywhere? And everybody faces one decision. I remember having this conversation uh, at uh, Young and Eglinton. Actually, it was on on Norton Street, um, the old uh, fan 1430-590 building with a guy by the name of Jim Rose. And Jim Rose ran this uh, crazy, like, Lollapalooza-type psycho circus, the Jim Rose Circus. And I was just starting my career. This would have been 95 and he said to me, you know, you're just starting your career out and just understand that somewhere along the way, you're going to be faced with a decision and there's no apparent right answer. And you're not going to know if you made the right decision for years later, maybe 20 years later. And I said, what's that decision? He said, you're going to come to a place in your career where you're going to have to decide, do I need to quit or do I need to work harder? And as I saw him score that goal, first NHL goal, 31 years of age, having gone through so many different leagues and so many different teams, never drafted, worked through all of it. You know, he made the decision that instead of quitting, he was going to work harder and stuck with it. And I thought to myself, how many times would he have been faced with that decision? How many times would he have thought about quitting? Now, I don't want to say the quitting, and I know I'm in the minority on this one, and it doesn't really sound well. It doesn't really sound good in the yearbook, Jim, but sometimes, to be blunt, for every profession, and hockey included, sometimes quitting is the right decision. But if ultimately you'll be unsatisfied and you're not comfortable with the what if, and clearly Alex Belzeal was not ever comfortable with the what if, he persevered and stuck with it. I'm sure there were times where he thought about, maybe this isn't for me anymore. How could you not be happy for that guy? And, he, and I remember, you know, I felt the same way about Alex Burroughs when he first popped in the NHL because he's another guy that you know, came out of the queue and started in the ECHL and worked his way up, became the best player on his ECHL team, became the best player on his AHL team and became one of the best players on a really good Vancouver Canucks National Hockey League squad. Okay, the credits uh, for this show. Thanks to Elliot Friedman for stopping by, as always. Max Boltman of The Athletic. Uh, thanks to Zach Green, Jeff G, and Patrick Gray, who submitted the random player of the day, Zarly Zalapski and Mike Rupp of the NHL Network. Thank you to Jen Rolnick, who reminds us, by the way, that Zarly Zalapski fits the song Eleanor Rigby. Dog in a trench coat, Jen. Dog in a trench coat. Thanks to Lance Kennedy. Thanks to Matt Marchese. And thanks to you for listening slash watching. Merrick's show returns tomorrow across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have a great day.